0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Purposeful Marketing Podcast. Mary, Aaron, and James here with special guests, founder of the agency I work at, Proofpoint Marketing, Mike Grinberg, and we're going to talk about a discussion that matters so much to me, and that's relationships. I just posted an episode today about marketing fundamentals, but I think this is a fundamental to life, which is how can we build more relationships? So Mike is going to be our subject matter expert today to kind of talk us through this, we're going to break it down, deconstruct it, and through that, I hope you find some truth, some insight, some deeper understanding of your everyday role as a marketer. So to get us kicked off, Mike, I just want to give you the floor just to introduce yourself, and then um, I'm going to ask you a question to really define relationship-led growth. So what do you got for me, Mike?
1: Well, first of all, for listeners, right before we hit record, Aaron said I don't get any special treatment, so they're going to grill me here. Um and as far as intros, I'm the CEO of proofing marketing. We don't need to waste any time on what I've done and where I came from unless you really want to. I don't think anybody cares, let's be honest. Um, I've done a lot of things. Let's just leave it at that. Um, relationship-like growth is a, a, at its core is a mindset and a framework around focused and best fit for really any organization that is a consultative selling organization. So it could be a product company that also happens to manage services, it could be strictly any, really anybody selling into the enterprise for the most part, really any service-based business falls into this. Um, and that's, at point. that's kind of our specialty is we focus on, for the most part, what we call technical professional services businesses. So think cybersecurity firms, environmental consulting groups, biotech consulting, really any technical consulting. Um, but I know one of the things we maybe want to talk about is, does this work? For product led like software companies, for some, it definitely does. And we can dive into that. Um, but the general definition I'll usually stop at is if you are in a consultative selling scenario, you are automatically focused on relationships that you should be. So there's a whole mindset and a framework and a system that can be built around that. And yeah. Yeah,
0: How's thanks that? for breaking. That's perfect, Mike, because what what I want to do is tell a story, and that's why we have this podcast, so I can tell stories, is not only do I love this definition, but I believe in this kind of POV, and the reason why I work at Proofpoint Marketing is through relationships. And we had Joseph on about 10 podcasts ago to talk about this very concept, which is Joseph knew Mary, I'm friends with Mary, I knew Joseph worked at this agency, now I work at this agency. That's how life works, right? Right. So there's just something so captivating of if we can really focus on that with relationship-led growth and connect more people, like you're just going to grow. Like that's how I grow as a person. So something very captivating about it to kind of get us to the next kind of conversation. Mary, I'm going to let you ask the question is you brought up, which is <laughs> so funny. It's like, there's just so many definitions, like there's um, social selling, you know, there's building through um, community. Like, do you just want to ask Mike that question so he can have the floor?
2: Yeah. I'm just curious, you know, Aaron brought them up, social selling, community building, every B2B company needs to become a media company. We need to, you know, grow through LinkedIn or choose your channel of choice. Partners, partners is a big growth lover right now. So how do you see relationship growth, relationship-led growth fitting in with all of these other growth terms that are thrown at us right now?
1: So a couple things to mention with that question. One is I generally try to run from anybody that says every or everybody, whatever the hell follows it. Anybody who speaks in absolutes, run away from them. Anybody who speaks in nuance, that's your expert. That's generally my line of thinking. Like anybody says every, you know, every business needs to be a media company, bullshit. Like I already don't trust you. Uh, just like, I would never say like, relationship-like growth is for everybody. No, it's really not. Like components of it, yes, but the whole thing. And is that the only way to do it? No. Um, the other thing out there, out there is when times are tough, everybody starts talking about relationships. You can, I guarantee you, if you chart either on Google Trends or on if you do uh, any social listening tool, if you to use the word relationships, you're going to see it spike right about six months ago or start going up. It happens every single time. We saw it during the pandemic. We see it now again with the economic environment. We saw it back in. 2008, 2009, like it's like clockwork. The problem in my mind is people go to that as a fail safe when, can I, can I swear on the show? Is that okay?
0: Oh yeah. When shit
1: goes <laughs> wrong, I don't know. I always have to ask because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I let a few words slip everyone. So like, like when, when shit goes wrong, that's when people all of a sudden go, oh yeah, relationships. And the reality is you'd be so much farther ahead if you always had that as a baseline fundamental belief and mindset But for whatever reason, marketers, CEOs, business people tend to forget that, right? I mean, you can like you also look at commercials, right? You look at like during the pandemic, all of a sudden everybody is we're in this together, and you know relationships are what's important. You saw you saw that the you know the music and the and the the family scenes and all this kind of stuff, like you know like uh, financial services firms, insurance firms, car companies, everybody. Two thousand two, it all went away. And now all of a sudden it's coming back again in certain industries, especially financial services. It seems that's the one that you can track pretty clearly, because again it's like when times are tough, relationships matter. All of a sudden, um, so my, my through line, I guess the answer to your question, Mary, is it's that core mindset, and then on top of that, it's a there's a if the relationship is at the center, that's a pretty fluffy way to put it. Okay, but from a marketing perspective if we can apply systems thinking inference principles to it, then we can start looking at how do I scale and accelerate relationships? And the framework in the core psychology is the same, whether we're talking a relationship personally, like with your spouse or uh, a relationship in B2B. There's a ton of um, similarity there.
3: I have a follow-up related to that. Cause you know, there's an amount that, Um, you know, I believe that I could just start walking around gorilla and be like, you know what I'm doing is I'm doing like relationship focused marketing. That's what I'm doing. And I could change absolutely nothing about any of the things that I'm actually doing. And I could just start saying that. And, um, I guess the question is, so like, what are the things if you're, if you're systematizing this mindset shift, um, what are the things that you stop doing? And what are the things that you replace those actions with?
1: It's a really interesting question. So the at the um, core of it is you're 100 right. Like if you looked at the tactics that we'll put out there, they're gonna be to a certain extent no different than what a lot of a lot of people out there do. Like yes, podcasts could be part of it. Events can be part of it. Uh, social selling, Mary, you mentioned, could be part of it. There's a variety of things. Um, the core of it really is when it comes to building systems around it, is if you start thinking about the relationship first, the first question is, well, where do my relationships currently come from? And then the other thing is there's a much bigger focus on referrals. So what I want to do what I want to do a deep dive on is okay, where and again, this is this is where it gets really specific to the type of businesses we work with. So our sweet spot is any type of technical consulting firm that's built up to somewhere between 25 and hundred million in revenue. hundred million is usually toward the high end. Usually it's 25 to 50. A hundred percent of the, okay. 99% of the time when I talk to their CEOs usually or whatever, you know, I'll ask the question, where does your business currently come from? Well, it's mostly referrals. Okay, cool. What percentage? 70, 90% is almost always the case. So, it's usually what I call like brute force networking and relationship building. It's one-to-one. They go to the, you know, the events, they, they, they've built up their network through clients and things like that. That's generally how they're able to build to that kind of level. But then what happens is that only gets you so far. Their growth flat lines because that brute force method in terms of that one-to-one conversation really is only replacing any, any kind of traditional churn you're going to have in that kind of business. And you're just, stuck. So then the question becomes, okay, how do, I, how do I scale this? Well, most of these firms will do like, oh, well, I just need to do marketing. Let's do paid search. Let's do whatever social lead gen. Let's do SEO, whatever, all this kind of stuff. The problem is, is those tactics on their own are generally not relationship building tactics. They're very They're very transactional, right? Hey, let's do a bunch of eBooks, right? That kind of thing. Or even if you're going to Run paid search ads. You're going to get a lead form, and then you're going to send them through the the ringer. With you guys know what I'm talking about. You know I don't need to outline that. But when we think about relationships and we dive into referrals, I can start looking for anomalies and where they're coming from. So, as an example, before we recorded, what, what I like talking about is in our business. What we found is all of a sudden, hey, we're getting referrals from people that came through our recruiting cycle that didn't get a job with us for one reason either they chose to go somewhere else or we chose to go with somebody else and all of a sudden we had somebody that literally volunteered that said hey would you guys be open to a like a partnership or like a referral partnership type thing like yeah i guess so like let's talk about it you know a number of other people said you know sent us sent us people cold and things like that so now You know, that on its own, that's not really a scalable thing, but you can start thinking, okay, how do I create an environment through my recruiting process that allows for more of this kind of stuff to happen? What can I do? Right. And then you start, you know, then it's things like, all right, well, let me just, I mean, as a basic one, I literally updated our careers page that says, hey, whether we have jobs open or not, I'm open to, I've got my calendar open for a certain period of time every single week for informational interviews. Right. So now that's a system that allows me to have these conversations where something could happen. Am I expecting it? No, I'm actually doing it because I generally want to meet people and fill a recruiting pipeline. But I also know that as a byproduct of that, I'm likely going to get a referral from somebody down the road. Right, So it's things like that.
3: Yeah, I like that. It's, it's not like you. To think of it like a playbook, it's not like you're saying, oh, we're not going to blitz ever again anymore, you Correct. know, it's, it's all of these things that we can do, all of these steps that we can take, the actions we can perform, they're the same. At the base level, they're the same actions and we have the same tools. But when we go to set goals, we're setting different goals. Or when we go to evaluate results, we're looking for different results. Um, yes. That's
1: a, that's a really good way to put it. And it's there's a measurement component to that, right? So I don't, as much care about the traditional pipeline metrics, obviously I do because we need revenue. But what I care about at the kind of in the middle of that journey is how many conversations conversations am I having with the right people, which could be uh, job candidates. It could be referral partners. it could be uh, past clients. It could be and again, the list goes on like if you really start thinking about where referrals come from, your, and what a referral really means, your, the playbook, if you will, really opens up a lot more than traditionally. Um, and the other thing is, yeah, the tactics are the same. Like I could run events as part of this, but what the traditional marketer might do is, okay, we're gonna run an event. We're gonna put the, uh, you know, anybody that signs up, we're gonna have sales reach out to them. We're gonna kind of do a very sales focused approach. For me, it's no, it's a relationship focused approach. It's that mindset of like, what does that mean? What do they want? What's valuable to them? So I can build that relationship, take it to the next level. And then whether that means they do business with me directly or they refer somebody to me because they learned something, that's what I care about.
2: Yeah, I have like, I have two thoughts that are running through my head right now. So number one is like scale, of course. So you mentioned, hey, relationship relationship led growth is something that's scalable. If you apply systems led thinking, if you apply, apply first principles, this should be something that you can use to scale and grow. So when you're thinking about it, and I love that you use the metric, am I talking to the right people? Like that's your baseline. Am I talking to the right people as a business owner? Right? So you're talking to the right people. You're now talking to so many of the right people that you're like, I need to scale. What does that look like in terms of relationship-led growth?
1: Yeah, so the, I mean, the general idea is leveraging you know, really digital word of mouth, if you will, to scale quality one-on-one conversations. That's the overall progress. So step one is, how can I build affinity with the right people? I use affinity purposefully because, you know, generally everybody talks about awareness as the first step. I don't care about awareness. Right. I, don't, I don't think the... Um, mere exposure effect works is, or is that powerful in B2B? If I'm selling a, I, you know, half a million or half a billion dollar engagement, or if I'm selling a half a million dollar engagement, even just seeing the proof point logo or the gorilla logo or whatever, isn't going to make a lick of difference. What matters is the affinity, right? And if we look at definition affinity, it's the spontaneous liking of person, thing, idea, whatever. That's what I care about. Is my message resonating? So, and I want to scale affinity, and that's where you get to kind of the you know again some of the same tactics. It could be a podcast, it could be a, uh, it could be events, it could be uh, in-person events, it can be a book, it could be uh, again the tactical ap- applications. This are sort of technically
2: limitless, if you will. Um, Yeah. Where do you see companies, like, where do you see people go wrong with that? So they're like, okay, I've got this. I'm like doing digital word of mouth correctly. I like, where do you see them start to like fall off a cliff?
1: So the other part to this is, is then, and to be really open, like we haven't perfected all of this yet either. Right. It's, it's all to a certain extent, I mean, everything is always a work in progress, but, um, where things fall off is you can go down this rabbit hole of I'm just having conversations. At some point, you have to have a system that allows you to change, like shift a conversation to a business conversation, either into a referral ask or into a business ask, or at least to ask for a conversation around that. And I think that's where also, again, systems come into play, right? So, this is where we work with clients to figure out okay, if we're running events, what is a playbook that you can employ leveraging all these assets that comes out comes out of it where you can over time insert these things into your outreach and drive that business conversation as an example, or if it's a, uh, if it's a potential partner say, Hey, you know, seems like you're interested in X, Y, Z, there's some collabor- collaboration opportunities. Have you, you know, would you be interested in a, in a partnership program? Right. So it's, you, you have to have, it. this is where, again, sales and marketing, I don't care, it's go-to-market together. Um, that's where those systems really have to be very clear. And to me, that's one of the biggest things, right? Because we have, it's easy to go, like I said, well, let's just have a bunch of conversations. Great. At some point, you got to be able to drive the revenue.
0: Yeah, I think one thought that I, that I have in my mind that has been mentioned in all these explanations um, you have, Mike, is we really try to help people who are already good at building relationships. It's not that, if you're not good at building relationships, I think the part of the scaling the system thinking may not help you we are very intentional in trying to find those people. And then once you have that, that's when you can really start to obsess of your relationships and start to kind of build these spaces. I think one common one in podcast is a tactic. However, that becomes a relationship space for many things. It becomes where you can have that conversation. You can start to Push re- referrals live as you're talking. You can push your POV and narrative, um, so other customers can learn it and build affinity for it. But you do need to start with, like, can you build relationships now, and then start to scale this through that um, GTM motion. So I didn't want to mention that because I was on my mind. One particular question we had, because generally I do think everyone gets that relationships matter and you should build relationships, but depending on your business, is it scalable? Is it workable? So. One specific question is more product led growth, like SaaS companies. Can can they do relationship led growth? You want to tackle that one, Mike?
1: Yeah. So I, I love the question. Again, I, to me, I I hate, or I dislike. I should say maybe hate's a too strong a word, but I dislike these conversations around like inbound versus outbound, demand gen versus lead gen, this this led growth versus that led growth. The reality is, is there's never one size. It's never it's never one thing. And it's never one size fits all. So, again, getting back to that nuanced conversation.
3: You're allowed Um, to hate those conversations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good. Hate's a strong word. Some of them I do hate, especially ones without any substance to them. Um, But um, I actually think in a number of instances, I think certain things from product led versus relationship led can apply and like they can learn from, learn from and, um, play off each other. So as an example, I actually go the other way. I think what most service companies do a really crappy job of is they automatically think, well, I don't sell a product, so I can't have a demo. I'm like, well, yeah, you can't have a formal demo, but I think a series of like, for lack of a better term, explainer videos, of how your service works, how you think, what your POV is actually can make the world difference. It can act like a demo to a certain extent. Now you can leverage those resources to help build your relationships with through your outreach, through through inbound and things like that. On the flip side, I think on the product led side, what often happens is there's a, too much reliance on this kind of self-serve motion, especially as you start going up market. Like this is where you generally will see companies struggle, like everybody wants to go up market. Everyone has to sell enterprise if if you're in the software space. And that's a very different ball game. You can't do strict product led in the enterprise space. I don't believe and especially in certain industries. Like I'll give an example of, you know, we we used to work with a a client in the ag tech space and what they found again, this is an anomaly is that they were getting a a decent amount of referrals just organically through cpas that were focused on working with large family farms so you have two ways of looking at oh that's cool let's just see what happens or you can say okay well how do i enable that right and you can enable some of that through uh sending them the right assets just like hey look it seems like you're sending we saw you send somebody over away would this be useful like literally it could be simple as that like hey here's an explainer video in case anybody else could leverage this simple Next step from there is maybe you host an event. Next step from there is maybe you start hosting a regular event with the with these people as uh, as content partners. Uh, maybe it's a podcast, whatever, and that's co-branded, whatever, right? There's a bunch of ways you can take that where you're a product-led company, but you're still doing these relationship-building things. A lot of the time I see it happening with more like the influencers rather than anything else because I think that's where a lot of the play is. People generally forget like, oh, I got to go after decision makers, but there's all these, you know, it could be a consultant, it could be a, a CPA, it could be a um, whatever.
0: You know, something, what, why I wanted you to talk through that is because Mary's just going to put you on the spot as, again, head of marketing, SaaS company, let's stress test this. Are these things we're talking about, does this resonate with you? Are these aspects that you would add to your GTM program um, relationships, like give it to me?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, ninety percent of our revenue now comes from enterprise clients. So I completely agree that um, some kind of relationship building is necessary. I mean, we have deals that sometimes take a full year because it's like it's a CRM. You're completely interrupting your tech stack. You're interrupting your sales organization's daily life. So yeah, if you don't have a relationship and you can't, you don't know how to maintain a good relationship then you're going to fail for sure. Um, but the interesting thing, and we're seeing this is, you're right, Mike, in that almost every enterprise client we work for wants to see the proof. How have you done it before? Like, tell me some other customers you have. Give me some date, product usage data. So there is this really interesting like balance between leading with the product, but also leading with your past relationships, your past referrals, your past customer success stories. So yeah, definitely resonating and stress test is passed.
1: The other thing I'll throw out there too, is because I've been on the buying cycle of some of the stuff. And again, we're not enterprise, but I think sometimes too, this reliance on some product led gets you in trouble, even in the SMB market, because Some people just don't want to, they don't have the time. It's like, like sometimes there's certain decisions where I'm like, you know what? I know I need this product. I don't have time to go and set up a demo environment and add my data. And like, I just want to talk to somebody, talk through some use cases, tell me what it costs. And then I can decide whether I want to spend my time and my team's time on setting up a demo, right? Because usually most of these demo environments just don't give enough to a specific use case for you, depending on the, depending on what you're selling. So that's the other thing I'll throw out there.
3: Like relationship-led growth, like that mindset leads you to optimizing for a customer-led sale. Yep. Not a you-must-buy-the-way-that-the-product-tells-you-you-must-buy. I love that, yeah. Have you ever, have you, do you all ever work with B2C? I
1: mean, yes. There we have like one legacy client that we still work with. We generally don't. My background is in e and retail, that's sort of where I started my career way back in the day. So i got, I mean, I, I you know, I grew up in the Minneapolis area. So Target, General Mills, like Best Buy. Uh, and then I used to work on the e-commerce side with like Lenovo and uh, all that kind of like a lot of consumer electronics. So done a lot of that.
3: Yeah. I, I, ju- I asked that because, you know, mentioning that, you know you go in and talk to a business and then you find out that like a lot of their best business is coming from referrals and um it it made me think of uh, a comp- my friend's company he's a general contractor and residential um and he just kind of found out that like the the jobs that are best suited for his skill set and that are in like his niche where the people understand his value and want to pay the premium that gets the things that he's good at. Though a lot of those jobs are coming actually referred from architects. And I think it's like a challenge because, you know, he, you know, you set up your website, you set up your brand, you set up the whole way that you think about your company around getting in front of homeowners. And I feel like it's like this big, it's kind of like a, I, I guess, a, like, a, to frame this as a question, like, what's the first step for someone who's like approaching that problem? Like, what's the first thing that you need to do to kind of shift the way that you actually operate?
1: So I, I love that you brought up general contractors because the thing that I've, I've been thinking about is I think that one of the best examples of it is real estate. If you look at the successful real estate teams, they've got the referral game on lockdown. We were just having dinner with uh, our. Realtor, actually, and their husband and wife team uh, earlier last week, and they're talking about how, yeah, their financial advisors they've got relationships with, and um, obviously mortgage brokers are some obvious ones, but there's some non-obvious ones that they, that they work with, like, I think they mentioned like a chiropractor or something that just happens to serve the right clientele, right? So it's, and the other thing I'll throw at you is this is something we're exploring right now, which, and I heard, I was listening to an interview recently with a, he's a, I forget his name. I'll have to find it. Um, I can send it to you guys later for like show notes or whatever, but he's a ex um, Boston consulting group guy in mostly in the, like the retail and logistics space. The reason I bring this up is he specifically talked about the way that um, like an unfair advantage is looking for these anomalies in your business and finding ways to make them a growth lever. So Like, it's again, it's just another way of thinking. Usually people look at anomalies and go, okay, well, it's sort of the 80-20 rule. This is not it. Let's sort of put it aside when reality is you can actually flip it on and say, well, yeah, this is maybe only 5% of our business now, but what if it could really be 50% of our business? Like, you have to ask yourself that question. If we were to make this 50% of our business or 80% of our business, what would you have to do? So you're going to have that mental exercise. I think that's step, really that's step one, once you find that kind of anomaly. And then from there, it's, I think, finding a, you know, an MVP, if you will. Right. So like the example I gave from uh, the recruiting pipeline thing is your MVP, our MVP was, and this wasn't about like the accident actually happened after this, but the MVP was strictly for, for the recruiting pipeline. So it's kind of a weird example, I guess, but we literally opened up our calendar, Gabby and I, and said, okay, if one hour a day or an hour and a half a day for two weeks straight because we thought we we're going to have to hire significantly ahead of our predicted uh, hiring schedule. So we, we just wanted to be ready. So we opened up that and that's where a lot of these things came out of. We're like, oh, shoot, that's interesting. So now I have this thing where I just updated our page, like I said, and now that's my MVP. From there, there's probably a bunch of other things that we might be able to do. So in your friend's case, it would be, okay, they're coming from um, uh, architects. What architects care about? What could be a simple thing I could pilot? Can I pilot a, uh, I've got more knowledge of this. We have a client more in the commercial space that architects are also um, uh, an influencer, right? So maybe it's like a bunch of virtual or in-person show and tells, if you will, with architects, right? Like that that might be a a one-off thing. And then you figure, okay, well, maybe I can scale this. Is there a specific thing they care about? I could do a recurring webinar that's maybe even recorded or something, right? There's a bunch of, Sort of that, that kind of systems systems level thinking.
3: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like starts with basically saying, like, okay, like I need to buy in to, you know, making decisions about what I do with my time and where I spend my time and how I and how I spend my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to do that in effort to grow this because maybe it's currently the 20, but it's the 20 that I wish was the 80. And, um, like, and so on. Thank you for that free consulting right. for my friend. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'll, s- maybe I'll go and sell that consulting <laughs> yeah. to him. You, uh,
0: <laughs> you know, one final point that I'll let Mike tangent on in a second to kind of wrap us up here is I think there's something so powerful in like living these narratives and with, in relationship like growth in this POV is from a delivery person is I can really see it. You know, just today, I can see someone who's a raving fan talking about what Proofpoint sent to them today. I can see when people are talking about my client's podcast I'm distributing on the paid ad side. I can see these relationships building the affinity live. There's just something so powerful from that on the delivery side. And um, again, even before this call, I opened up a box that um, Mike and Gabby sent me from Proofpoint. Relationships matter. And if you change that mindset, you'll start doing more relationship activities Um, Mike, do you just want to end us on that note is like build relationships at scale. We live it. We do it. Here's
1: pre-point marketing. So the, the interesting thing about that at scale thing is you have to be willing to do the non-scalable things to get to the scalable things. So like gifting, at least the way we do it right now is not actually scalable. Now we don't need it to be because of the smaller volume that we do. Well, we still do quite a bit. And I mean, Gabby I and mean, I've talked about a bunch, like how the heck can we outsource them? Because I mean, she spends a ridiculous amount of time on putting all this stuff together. Like if, if it was just me, you wouldn't have gotten that gift there. And so <laughs> I'm just, I'm not good at that kind of thing, right? Like I love that we do it, but I'm, I'm not the best gift giver, let's just say, uh, at least not on a consistent basis. So you gotta be willing to, to, to do those things. But sometimes the unscalable thing gives you the scale that you're looking at, right? So as the example you mentioned, you know, we, we started a, a, a referral partnership program and the first few people, the people that are doing it, we're sending them like gift boxes. Cool. Technically, again, it's hand put together, all that stuff, that part's not scalable. But if the pe- some of these people have really large followings, well, guess what? That creates a ton of awareness and potential affinity. Maybe other people they go, oh, well, I can learn about them and maybe I want to join the program too. Right. So that it, it creates scale sort of, I want to say unintentionally because it's not like we don't know this kind of stuff happens. Um, but sort of more than the original kind of piece.
3: That's a bummer. Cause I was hoping you'd tell me you had some sort of system for, uh, like, oh, I can just outsource like my responsibilities at home or my, <laughs> oh, I don't have to worry about my relationship with my fiance anymore. I've got like, you know, I've got some, a third party taking care of it, or I mean, um, there's a spreadsheet some that somewhere that's managing it. Yeah, totally.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah no, th- thanks for running with that question, um, Mike. I think what is really important is that the unscalable is sometimes we won't be able to prove the ROI right away, but our mindset is we want to build relationships. So these are the things we're going to do. Now, Mary and James, any final questions before we wrap up? No. Nope. Love it. I feel good. No. Great. Yeah, episode. that was an
2: amazing, amazing segment.
0: No, no. Um, great conversation. For the listeners, if you have relationship questions, Mike, where can they reach you?
2: Well, let's clarify
1: that. I'm not a therapist. So you got personal <laughs> relationship questions. I will not help you. But if you got B2B relationship questions, uh, reach out on LinkedIn and I'm always there. So send me a message.
0: Perfect. So, hey, appreciate you being on, Mike, and talking through this. Um, for listeners, this is available everywhere. You get this feel all the time. We are accepting guests. Best way is to DM me and build a relationship. It's worked in the past couple episodes. That's how we've gotten people on. Um, I'll look forward to that. If you have any feedback, let us know. Um, if not, take it easy. Do good. I may be gone for a while. Mary and James are going to run the ship, but we'll give you a bigger announcement on that later. So, thanks, everyone.
3: Peace.